Kreusser, welcome to Recovery Now Radio, which is brought to you in conjunction with Adveriad Recovery and Livingroom Cardiff. Adveriad Recovery is a registered charity offering specialist support to those with co-occurring substance misuse and mental health conditions. Livingroom Cardiff provides ongoing support and aftercare as a community-based recovery centre that has an all-addictions approach including gambling, alcohol, drugs, both prescribed and illicit, sex, eating disorders, gaming, etc., or any other harmful behaviour. We welcome anyone who needs confidential support in taking those first important steps towards change and recovery. Family members and friends are also catered for. For further details, please see the Adveria Recovery website, www.adveria.org.uk and www.livingroom-cardiff.com. Diochen Vaur, thank you so much. You can get it if you really want. You can get it if you really want. You can get it if you really want. But you must try, try and try. Welcome to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. Persecution, you must be. Win and lose, you've got to get your share. Got your mind set on a dream. You can get it. The hardest they see now. Recovery Now Radio, coming to you from the living room and our very yard. Welcome to Recovery Now Radio, coming to you from the living room and Adveriad. My name is Joe, and our guest today is Kate. What a glorious day today, Kate. How is it with you? It is fabulous. Thank you so much, Joe. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here. Before we go into why you're here today, which is to discuss, to discuss I should say, your, uh, prescri- your prescription uh, pills, addiction and problems with alcoholism. But before we get into that, I want to play your first song, but I want you to tell me a little bit about why you chose it. It's somewhere over the rainbow. And I think I'm, I think I'm saying his name right. Israel Kamakawio Ole. Why did you choose that song? It's uh it's one of those songs that I always remember from my childhood. Um, you know, the, the promise of being carried away from, from one place into the next, not always because the, the current moment wasn't very good, but also because I, I've always been a bit of a starry-eyed dreamer. And, and this song just seems to, to, to suit the starry-eyed dreamers. Let's have a listen. All right. Dreams that you dream of 
listening to recovery now radio let's recover together and that was somewhere over the rainbow by israel kamakawio ole i believe his name is um good bit of ukulele playing there did you enjoy that kate who doesn't like a ukulele (laughs) (laughs) 
I've been reading over the brief that you sent in to us. And when I was reading it, I thought, my God, this woman can write. And then a bit further down, you actually said you were a writer. <laughs> I so am it, indeed, yes. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it, was, it was really, really well, really well written, this brief, actually. And I want to take you back to um, the beginning where you, st- you said that you had your first drink when you were 14 years of age. Well, maybe even a bit before that. Can you tell us how growing up was for you? Um, well, growing up, growing up was was complicated. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it, it it was complicated. There, there was it. It all looked quite lovely on the outside. Uh, we we looked like a regular happy family. Mom, Dad, myself, and my brother. But there, there was a lot of chaos that happened behind closed doors. You know, and and it's it's been it's been a process <laughs> to shed that and and to 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 heal that stuff and to recognize that um, that it my parents were just doing the best they could. But yeah, there 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 was a there was a lot of a lot of chaos and and um, and there was some violence. Not some. There there was a lot of violence, um, and it, it was it was difficult to enter the world from that place. You know, and and home, um, home is in in my mind. Home was supposed to be the safe haven, um, yeah. and and that wasn't my experience. So I I sought a safe haven elsewhere, and and I found that in academics because yeah, home was it, it, it was it was so unpredictable um, and so emotional, and and uh, yeah, and so school was was really a um, an escape for me. Uh, I'm I'm one of those weird people that you know looks back on my on my, you know, my high school years and goes, yeah, they were fantastic, you know, and, you know, whereas most people are like, oh, I can't wait to get out of high school. And, um, and, and so for, for me, you know, I, um, I, I did well, I did all the things that I was supposed to do, uh, to set myself up for success in life. You know, I had the good grades and I, I worked the jobs and I, I had savings and I, you know, got the scholarships and I did the sports and I, you know, I, I wrote for the school newspaper and, you know, and, 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 uh, and the community newspaper. I, I, I did all those things that I was supposed to do. And then I went on to university, um, and, and continued there trying to achieve all the, you know, if, if there was a, if there was a list for a successful life, I was going to nail it. And I was, yeah. I was going through life, marking them off one at a time, you know, get the good grades, go to university, um, you know, get engaged, get married, have a child, start my career, you know, all of those, all of those markers. That was how I was going to try and, and not experience um, the unhappiness that I that I so often had to wade through when I was growing up. Yeah. Was it a case of um, wanting to not repeat what was going on in your home life at that time? So trying to get a perfect life? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and, and the other thing is too, I, I, I took a really twisted message from, from my experience growing up because I, I saw, you know, I saw the people around me in, you know, just going through some absolutely horrific experiences. And then the next day the sun would come up and the, the beautiful flower pots out in the, on the front step would be freshly watered and, you know, the curtains are open again and, and it all looked, it all looked normal. And, and I thought that if things looked good, then it meant that they were good. 
Um, and, and so I was going to make it look really, really perfect. You know, the, have the, have the big house, have the brand new cars, you know, my, my parents usually had slightly older cars. So, okay, well, I have to have a brand new car then, and I have to have a bigger house and, you know, and, and I have to have my, my nails manicured and my hair just so, and the, you know, the best clothing. And that was the missing ingredient. You know, it, it was nothing, it had nothing to do with anything um, emotional or internal, I, yeah. I was banking on, on the external being able to fix everything. So very much looking outside of yourself rather than inside. Oh, continually looking outside um, to, to things, to other people, uh, experiences. If I just paid enough money <laughs> and yeah. made enough money, then, then surely I could buy happiness. Yeah. Well, on that subject, I'm going to play your next song. But afterwards, can we explore that a little more with you? Yeah. Perfect. Your next song is Mama's Broken Heart by Miranda Lambert. What made you choose this one? Um, well, it, it, it kind of speaks to, to, to what I was just talking about, the, you know, the, the exterior. As long as we look good on the outside, that's what matters. And, and that, that was a... That was an old idea that, that took me a long time to, to, to break through and overcome. And this song kind of speaks to that for me. Perfect. I numb the pain at the expense of my liver. Don't know what I did next. All I know I couldn't stop. Word got around to the butterflies and the Baptist. My mama's phone started ringing off the hook. I can hear her now saying she ain't gonna have it.
You're listening to Recovery Now Radio, Let's Recover Together. And that was Mama's Broken Heart by Miranda Lambert. Wow, Kate, that song really did describe what we were just talking about to a T. About getting it, the it outside. really does. <laughs> yeah, about getting the outside of you perfect so that everything else, I guess, would fall in place. But that wasn't to be for you, was it? If you don't mind, could we move on to discuss what happened to you during your 20s when you discovered prescription medication? Uh, yes. So I, I had had a, a, medical, um, a medical condition that, um, that required surgery. And, and beforehand, I was prescribed uh, painkillers for it. And I, I remember the first time I, I took one of those, I, I refer to them as pretty little pills. Mm. because they they are they're they're small and they come in lovely pastel colors often and uh, I remember the first time I I I took one of these pills for pain and it was just before I went to a a class at at university and I remember the feeling set in on me and and I liked it way too much and it from the very first time um, it wasn't about um, it wasn't about stopping the physical pain. Um, it, it was more about, I, I liked the sensation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that, that then catapulted me into lying about my medical condition, um, which, you know, I, I, had a, I had a valid medical condition, required surgery, but my ability to discern real pain from imagined pain uh, disappeared because I struggled with addiction. Yeah, and and so uh, even after the surgery, I I was in doctors' offices continually, just lying, saying whatever I had to to get whatever prescription pills I could get from them. And I I thought because it was prescribed by a doctor that it was okay. I certainly yeah. uh, would would never have considered myself a drug addict because they took drugs on the street and I took mine in in my lovely house. Um, you know, and I drove to and from my doctor's office in my in my new cars, and I, I looked a certain way. And but I, <laughs> the difference is, I never took the medication as it was prescribed. <laughs> yeah, it kind of legitimizes it, doesn't it? When you when you get a prescription from a doctor, it legitimizes what you're doing. And you describe in your brief about wondering to yourself whether two or three of these pills might feel even better than taking just the one? Oh, absolutely. And that that's, you know, that's another moment I remember when, when I had that first thought, if one makes me feel this good, I wonder what two would feel like. And I gave in to that curiosity and I took two and then I would take three. And, and there were times when, I mean, I was taking absolutely dangerous amount you know I, I was I was taking upwards of of uh, you know 10 12 uh, pain pills at a time and mm. I remember once my my doctor had said to me that if my um, my husband at the time if, if he were to take the same amount that I was taking every day it would stop his heart and wow. and that you know that was one of those moments where you know that was a terrifying thing to hear but I couldn't stop yeah. taking them. When you gradually increase a dosage like that, I think it's very easy to mask the effects that it's having on you and, and you and you get a t- certain tolerance to them, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, and I, I had just an absurd tolerance 
to to these pain pills and you know and and it wasn't just the ones that that were prescribed you know and, and I was I was shopping around to different doctors and and you know getting whatever I could but because it, as you say you know it, it is legitimized because it's coming from a doctor uh, if yeah. someone had said the word addiction to me you know I, I would have struggled with that and uh, you know unfortunately uh, I put myself in a position where uh, where I was blaming the doctors. Well, it's their fault. They gave it to me. They they were the first ones who who prescribed it to me. And if I have a problem with it now, it's their fault. And so mm. that was a really difficult place to be in. Uh, and then also, you know, try and and recognize that that I might have a problem at at the same time. But you know, when when you're in it, you can't see it. And you know, that hunt for more pills consumed my life. And as a result, my, my studies at university suffered. Um, I was engaged at the time uh, to my high school sweetheart. Uh, that relationship suffered. Uh, you know, relationships with my family, you know, everything suffered because yeah. that was my sole concern was getting the next prescription. Okay, well, we'll talk a little bit about what happened to you afterwards after your next song, which is Not Ready to Make Nice by Dixie Chicks. What inspires you with this one? Well, the. Um, they're not ready to make nice. I was mad at a whole lot of people. <laughs> and I, uh, any, any free time I had that wasn't spent sitting in a doctor's office lying for more pills was spent working on my list of who was to blame for, for that checklist of life that I thought I was following, not materializing the way I wanted it to. Um, and uh, yeah, and so this, this song uh, just kind of... Um, encapsulates that that feeling of someone else is to blame for this and I'm not quite ready to let go of that anger just yet sure
You're listening to Recovery Now Radio, Let's Recover Together. And that was Not Ready to Make Nice by the Dixie Chicks. Kate, we were talking about the anger that was brewing within you with regards to your addiction to prescription pills. And I want you to cast your mind back to when you were about 25. I've read in your brief that you, you had a son by then and your life seemed pretty perfect. But is this when alcohol decided to come in? Yes. Before my my oldest son was born, um, I, I somehow managed to will myself off the off the pills, um, and uh, because I I wanted to start a family, um, and I, I I sensed that the two wouldn't go well together, and so I I stopped uh, I, I stopped taking the the prescription pills, and uh, yeah, and, and and that that worked for a few years, but I you know I I never did deal with any of the anger and the frustrations and and the confusion about you know, why, if I'm following this checklist, why am I not happy yet? And um, it was when uh, I discovered that my, my husband was having an affair that I, I turned to alcohol. Uh, and I suddenly started having a glass of wine in the evening. And, you know, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't know that I was an alcoholic and an addict. I thought I'd had a problem with uh, prescription pills, and that was it. Um, but I'd never, I'd never addressed any of the the underlying emotions behind any of it. And so when, um, when my when my first husband and I separated, yeah, my my drinking took off like a rocket. And in about two and a half years, I went from um, productive and purposeful to an absolute mess. I, I had been fired from my job. My house had been repossessed. And I lost custody of my son. And I was spending my days locked away in my, in my very lovely townhouse with all my brand new furniture and my brand new car. But I couldn't get out of bed. And I was basically, I was drinking 24 hours a day. And still, still looking to, to blame whose fault was this? Because it, it, surely it wasn't mine. You know, that was my thinking at the time. Yeah, it sounds like a, a very lonely and isolated place to be. And to have had the background that you've had in your childhood and the problems you've had with the prescription medication and now the affair that your husband's having, I, I can understand why you would think, why is this happening to me? How did you deal with that when your house was repossessed afterwards? And uh, where did you go from there? I went to my mom. (laughs) Thank goodness for moms of the world. You know, and and here was this woman that I, you know, I, I blamed her for so much in my life. And I took from her and I lied to her and you know, and, and she was the one who, you know, she, she let me move in with her. And, and it was while I was, I was living with her that, um, that I discovered one day that, that she was trying to arrange an intervention for me. And I thought, oh, no, 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 that, that happens to, you know, to, to drunks and addicts that, that doesn't happen to me. So I, uh, I agreed to be sent off to, um, 
to a treatment center. Um, and, and that's where, where I was first introduced to the idea that, well, to the idea of recovery. You know, and I started meeting people who were happy just being, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't have a whole bunch of stuff attached to them that was making them happy. They were just happy. And, and it befuddled me. I, I couldn't understand. You know, they had these sad stories that I could relate to, but they were happy. And it, you know, it, it, it took me a couple of tries. I, I, went, I went through that treatment center and um, unfortunately I, I went back to drinking um, a couple of times after that, you know, trying to, trying to finally summon the wherewithal to do the stuff that the people I was meeting in recovery were, were telling me about that I, I had to start looking at myself. Mm. God, that was the scariest thing I'd ever heard that I had some role in my happiness or unhappiness. That, that was, that was a terrifying thought because I'd only known blame before that. I mean, mind you, the blame had never really worked. It hadn't ever fixed anything. (laughs) Well, Moving on to your next song, which is A Wink and a Smile by Harry Connick Jr. Could you tell us a little bit more about why you chose that song? And afterwards, we will talk a little bit about your recovery. All right. So that song, um, to me, it, it, it brings to mind the idea of a second chance. And, and not just a second chance uh, at life, but uh, maybe even a second chance at love, too. Excellent. Forever, back roads empty for miles. Well, you can't have a dream and cut it to fit. But when I saw you, I knew we'd go together like a wink and a smile. Leave your old jalopy. We 
together like a wink and a smile. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. And that was A Wink and a Smile by Harry Connick Jr. Kate, we were talking about your alcoholism before and your time in a treatment centre. When you did get sober, can you talk us through your early years of your recovery at all, please? Um, yeah, it was um, it was a lot of, of old ideas coming with me into my recovery. I I approached my recovery the way I had, had approached my life before, you know, again, with that checklist. And, and there were certain things that I was told I should be doing. But I was I was focusing on on all the external stuff again, and I I was attending a twelve step program that was was working. It was helping me. I was meeting people in in the fellowship who were able to relate to me in a way that I I'd, I'd never I'd never experienced before, um, and I finally started to to gain the the, the willingness and the courage to open up and share a bit of myself, my real mm. self, not my pretend false masked self, but, but the real me. And through that, I, I started to actually um, look at, at changing my thoughts, my behaviors, my actions. And, and it all kind of started to make sense, you know, that, okay, I, I can, I can comprehend Facing each day, staying sober, and beginning to actually work toward a meaningful life again because I'd lost so much mm. in my drinking. Um, you know, I, I I was working towards regaining custody of my son and 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 not just the custody because I mean that's that's a whole legal battle and and that's a legal term. But but what I began to actually work on was my relationship with him. He had lived with me until he was six years old. Um, he hasn't lived with me since. And he's, uh, he's just, uh, just about to turn 18. But, but I have a relationship with him today. And that's because I'm, I, I've found my way to, to living a life that works for me. And, and it's, it's a life that, that doesn't look uh, recognizable to to most people, certainly not to people in my family. Um, quite uh, quite early on, um, after my last relapse, I I met uh, I met a man who was also uh, in a twelve step program, and we began dating, and and very quickly hatched a plan to move on to a sailboat. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and everyone around us thought, oh, good God, this isn't going to end anywhere good. So we did just that. We we moved on to a sailboat, and uh, within a couple of months, we were pregnant. And uh, it's been pretty good, I have to say. <laughs> my my hair brain. <laughs> well, our our hair brain scheme kind of worked, um, you know, because living on a sailboat removed me from from that external world and it put me in a place where I had to confront myself you know mm. I, I had to I had to I had to test my abilities I had to, every day was a test of my of my limits of my capacity and I started to see that 
that I actually, you know, I, I am a capable person. I can do some things. I can face adversity and I can get through it and, and, and I can do it sober. (laughs) And if I wasn't sober, I don't think I'd be living on a sailboat today. In fact, I know I wouldn't be. Before we talk about your recovery a bit more, I'm not quite sure of the timeline, but you mentioned in your brief about your older son not wanting to see you at one stage. Can you tell me a little more about that? Yes, that was um, that was perhaps the the most challenging thing I've ever faced in my life because the you know the the path back to having a relationship with him was. Um, you know, it, it was punctuated with with legal battles, and and the legal battle doesn't doesn't leave a lot of room for the heart. And so, you know, while I'm navigating the the you know the the custody arrangements and the dealing with the ex husband and the new partners and all of that stuff, in the middle of that, there's this little boy who's trying to make sense of the adult situation that he's been put into, and that's hard. I struggled with it as an adult. How is a little boy supposed to navigate through that? You know, and, and so we reached a point where uh, my son was, I think he was about 11, when he said to me one day, I never want to talk to you again. I never want to see you again. And I thought, I thought that was just, that was going to break me. You know, yeah. that, that was my biggest fear was that he was going to say that. And then one day he said it. How did you deal with that? I dealt with it slowly. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and that's, that's something that recovery has taught me is to respond and not react. I'm so grateful that, that my, my, my partner, my, my husband is, um, is also in recovery because, you know, he, he was my, he was my greatest support through that. And I dealt with that by, by believing in, believing in love. And, you know, and I, I I remember saying to my son, well, that's, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but that's not an option for you and I, we are, we are parent and child and we have a lifelong uh, relationship. And that means that we have a lifetime to work on this stuff. We don't have to fix it today. And you can feel this way today, but but to to you know decree that that we will never have a relationship is not an option for me. Mm-hmm. And and as you're one of your parents, I'm saying it's not an option for you either. And and so it, it was a it was a tough uh, it was a tough climb back from that, but um, but we have a relationship today, him and I. That sounds fantastic. And you've got recovery to thank for that. I do. I do indeed. Moving on to your next piece of music, which is Into the Mystic by Van Morrison. Tell me a little bit about this song before we talk more about your recovery. Oh, this one is just simply my my husband and I, the two starry-eyed dreamers, putting all of our belongings in a storage locker, climbing on a sailboat and sailing away together. Lovely. We were born before the wind 
longer than the sun Yeah, the bonnie boat was one As we sail into the mystic Oh, I can hear the sailors cry Smell the sea and feel the sky Let your soul and spirit fly into the mystic And where that foghorn blows I will be coming home Yeah, when the foghorn blows, I wanna hear it. I don't have to fear it, and I wanna rock your gypsy soul. Just like way back in the days of old. Yeah, magnificently we will fold into the mystic. You know I will be coming home Yeah, when that foghorn whistle blows I gotta hear it I don't have to fear it And I wanna rock your gypsy soul Just like way back in the days of old And together we will flow And to the mystic Come on, girl listening to recovery now radio let's recover together and that was into the mystic by van morrison kate we've talked about quite a lot so far about your early years your addiction with prescription pills your needs to have a perfect life and then your alcoholism and your relationship with your older son and a little bit about your recovery but what i want to know now is tell me about this sober man that you met and um, <laughs> how how you uh got into recovery together and blossomed from there. Yes, well, he he had been uh, sober uh, six years already when when I met him. And so he, you know, he was pretty practiced at, um, you know, at at doing that sober thing. But he and I shared a a curiosity about about living life outside of the checklist that I'd been following. Uh, You know, we we had both had our previous lives in the suburbs. Uh, He... um, he has two children, 
uh, from his first marriage as well, you know, and, and had built and, and ran companies and, you know, and I had, I had done the career thing, you know, with the office and the, you know, all of that stuff. And, and we were both just, we were exhausted by that method of, of living. And, and so when this idea came up that, you know, that, that maybe we could move on to his sailboat, I, and I, I didn't know people did that because uh, I, I grew up sailing, but I thought it was just something you, you did on a weekend. I didn't know that, you know, you could, you could live on a sailboat. And, and so when, when he suggested it, um, I, I was all up for it. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And, and what that did for me was um, it, it took me out of, out of the old way, you know, where I, I couldn't, I couldn't buy a brand new car to show everybody that I was doing okay. Cause I don't have a driveway. <laughs> you know? I couldn't go, yeah. I, I, I couldn't go and get my nails done to make me feel better if I was having a bad day, because as soon as I step on board and, and grab the, the main sheet or, you know, grab a halyard, then, you know, my nails are chipped and, you know, and it looks all raggedy and shorn, you know, and, and so it, it removed all of those things that I had been relying on. You know, if I just, if, if my makeup is just so, if my hair is just, you know, I, we don't even have a mirror on, but we, we have a, we have a small little hand mirror, like a little pocket mirror right now, actually. And, and, um, ironically, it says the country of Sweden, which reminds me of my, my friend, uh, my dear friend, Ann Williams. Um, but, uh, She's she's a the most fabulous Swedish girl I know, um, but you know that that's a that's a different way for me. You know, I before I would have spent hours in front of the mirror working on the exterior, and and living living at sea, I I have to rely on my own capacity, and I have to rely on on the capacity of the person I'm with, and that. Uh, that foundation to to the relationship that that my husband and I have uh, that works well for for my recovery because um, because it requires me to to look to myself first and take responsibility for my thoughts, behaviors, and actions, and it also requires me to trust another human being, and that was something that I'd forgotten how to do. That was something that that I had told myself wasn't possible. People hurt you. That, that was my thinking. People, other people are only there to injure me. And, and, and you, you, you can't, uh, you can't be a crew member on a sailboat when you don't trust the other person you're sailing with. Um, You know, the, the, the metaphors for life that, that come from sailing are just phenomenal. You know, I mean, I, I can, I can check the, the Marine forecast, I can check the weather report. Everything looks sunny and bright. And I, I head out of the bay and I get into the Strait of Georgia and suddenly there's there's current that I didn't expect. And you can't see it, but the current is powerful and it it doesn't care what the wind is doing. It's going to do what it wants, you know, and, and I have to respond to this stuff. And it's not it's not predictable, it's not visible, it's you know, it's it's kind of like emotions, you know, it's under the surface, but, but it's some powerful stuff, you know, and I, I just, I, I love, I love the, the analogy of sailing as, uh, you know, it, it's, um, it makes sense yeah. to me. It kind of goes well with recovery, doesn't it? Because you're reconnecting with nature as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, 
I'm, I'm on board my, my sailboat now. And if I, if I look out the ports, you know, the, the, I'm surrounded by water. I can see a seal off in the distance. There's an eagle in a tree just over here. There's, you know, and it, and it reminds me that I'm just a tiny, teeny part of it. I'm not in control of it. This all happens whether I'm having a good day or a bad day. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's far more powerful than I am. Well, moving on to your next piece of music, it's Even <laughs> If by Mercy Me. Tell me about this song. This is the song that, that got me through the, uh, the challenges with my son. Um, you know, when those things happen in life that we think are just too overwhelming, there is a way through it. And, it, and I can stay sober through all of it. Right now I'm losing back I've stood on this stage night after night Reminding the broken it'll be alright But right now, oh right now I just can't It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring What will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? Say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, good thing, a little faith is all I have right now. God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, oh, give me the strength to be.
You're listening to Recovery Now Radio, Let's Recover Together. And that was Even If by Mercy Me. Quite an emotive song there, Kate. Um, I could I could picture how you were feeling with your situation with your son. And uh, yeah, it, it choked me up a little bit. Yes, it, it, I've, I've cried a couple times through that song. <laughs> well, on your sailboat, you've, men- you've mentioned in your brief that you've been to Bali and Indonesia. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your travels on the boat and what that's been like for you? Yes. Now, to, to be clear, uh, we, we haven't sailed to, to Indonesia. Um, we, we mainly sail uh, around the, the southern west coast of Canada. Um, and, uh, and, and that, that's been an interesting uh, experience in and of itself because um, what, what my husband and I have found is that when you move on a sailboat, one of the first thing, uh, first thing that, um, that people will ask you is, oh, are you going offshore, which is, you know, to, to sail to, you know, Tahiti or something. And, and you know, what I've, what I've discovered is that I don't need to do everything today. <laughs> you know, I, I have a whole lifetime uh, in front of me, and and so we've we've kind of taken a, a you know a, a different uh, a different path, and and so we we've spent our time on the sailboat, um, you know, cruising. Uh, there, there's a beautiful chain of islands uh, called the Gulf Islands, um, just off the the coast of British Columbia, southern British Columbia, and uh, and so we've we've just we really take our time exploring places and when we find a new uh, a new bay somewhere you know we'll row ashore and go exploring and and you know really favor the 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 experience of it and learning to live in the experience uh, has has been a, a huge part of of recovery for me you know and we're still two starry-eyed dreamers though with with some harebrained ideas so so we've <laughs> we've done some other stuff you know we've We've uh, we've had an old um, motorhome or a, a caravan uh, that we uh, we traveled around in, and uh, we had a a um, in, in North America we call them minivans, uh, like a Dodge Caravan minivan that that my husband cut the roof out of and built a a box on top so that we could take the seats out of the minivan and, and stand up inside it, and then we we turned it into like a like a, a camper van, our own little mini caravan, and we. We toured around in that for I think about five months with our, our two youngest kids. Um, you know, we've lived in in a cabin uh, in northern British Columbia with with no running water. We had to go uh, over to the lake to to fetch our own water. You know, we've we, we've done some really some really fabulous stuff. And and every second year uh, we we go to uh, to Bali, Indonesia, and that has become a uh, a second home for me. There's there's something about the way of life that the Balinese have that I need to learn <laughs> and I need to to practice more. You know, there's it's it's such a vibrant culture there, and um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a beautiful place. We were actually there um, last year when uh, when the pandemic hit and uh, had gone for six months. Uh, and ended up having to stay uh, an extra uh, three months uh, beyond our original return date. But uh, yeah, very much looking forward to uh, to being able to to go back to to Bali again very soon. Excellent. Talking of family, because you mentioned your two younger children, then in your brief, you've also said family not funds. Tell me more about what that means for you. 
just because two starry-eyed dreamers decide to move on to a sailboat and sail away um, doesn't mean it's financially viable. (laughs) 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 We still have to earn money. However, you know, I, I, I went through a a revitalization in my understanding of what money means. And, and before I was looking to, to earn enough money to buy my way into happiness. And, and I reached a point in my recovery where, you know, I was, I was finally healthy enough and sane enough to return to work, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't go back to my old career. I, I just, I just couldn't. It, I was good at my job, but it wasn't good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it put me in a place where I, you know, I, I, I relied too much on, on ego, um, on, on all the external stuff, on all the surface, on the appearance and, and, the, and, and bravado and grandstanding. And, you know, and I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't see my way clearly to going back to my old career and maintaining this beautiful, homeostatic state that I'd, I'd found in my, in my recovery. Um, so I had to decide what I wanted to be when I grew up <laughs> and I, I looked at, at a, at a career change and I, you know, I, I, I went back to, you know, to the, the list of things that I used to give, you know, when I was a child and, and, you know, people would say to me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, I would say, well, you know, I want to be a unicorn and I want to be a lawyer. Um, yeah. You know, and I, and I thought, well, okay, but neither of those are, are really viable, especially on a sailboat. Although my, my husband does tell our, our children that I used to be a unicorn. But um, <laughs> one of the other answers that I used to give to that, to that question um, was a writer. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't usually tell most people I wanted to be a writer. That was, that was something I, I kept, I kept to myself because, oh, that was scary. The, the idea that I could, I could be a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I, I thought, well, what if, what if I yeah. could? And so I, I tried. And uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I guess about three years ago now, I started writing articles and sent them out. And lo and behold, publications started buying them. And I call myself a writer today. And and that's what I do. I I write. And and I'm able to fund my life uh, with writing. And I don't make a lot of money. I, I make very little. But the flip side of that coin is I spend very little. I don't shop anymore. You know, I, I have I have two pairs of shoes. Two. <laughs> three. Three if, if if you if you include my wellies, you know, but uh, yeah. but they're just a staple. They don't count as shoes, right? Um, because I I don't need much anymore because I'm I'm not looking I'm not looking to to build a facade anymore. You know, my, my days are spent being present with my children, you know, to, to row ashore and, and play on a beach for two hours. That doesn't require money to, to do that. It requires, you know, money to, you know, to, to feed me and to, you know, to, you know, to, to buy the, the bare minimum, but that's all I need is the bare minimum. And what I've, what I've discovered is that when I set down the pursuit of money, what remains is time. 
And if I use that time wisely, then I can do both. I can, I can earn the money that I need and then I can spend the time instead of spending the money and the time that feeds my spirit in a way that money never did. Well, that sounds so wonderful. And I want to talk to you a little bit more about this new life that you have after your next song, which is Superwoman by Alicia Keys. Tell me why you chose this one. Because when we start to to look at ourselves and, and own up to those thoughts, behaviors and actions, we can be superwomen.
You're listening to Recovery Now Radio, Let's Recover Together. And that was Superwoman by Alicia Keys. Man, I feel so empowered right now. <laughs> I, I've gone through a roller coaster of a journey with you, Kate, and how you've come through your addiction and how you're now a writer with a whole new life. You've made some amazing connections between sailing and recovery, and I find them really beautiful and full of value. Um, tell me what your life is like now and what your aspirations are. Oh, my. What my life is like now. Believe it or not, my life is much smaller than it used to be. And it, it, it feels smaller than it was and, and did when, when, I, when I was looking to pills, when I was looking to alcohol. And by that, I mean it's, it's, it feels manageable. And I understand what that means today. You know, I, I, I used to think that, that I had to, to dream big and, and every, everything I did in life had to be grand. But that, that resulted in, in so much frustration and disappointment. And, and, and by, by shrinking things down, uh, by, by keeping my life confined to just this one day, I've actually been able to realize massive dreams that I never thought were possible. And it still kind of confounds me today how that works, that shrinking things down actually makes the big possible. Yeah. You know, but I, I, I look around me today and, and I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a happy and healthy marriage. I didn't know that was possible. You know, I, I, thought, I thought marriage was a source of, of continual upset and trauma. <laughs> I'm surrounded by children. I, I, I've got, you know, our, our two uh, youngest children. Uh, my, my daughter is eight. My son is six. I mean, it's like living in a circus, you know, but I mean, clowns are, <laughs> well, clowns are funny and sometimes clowns are a bit scary, you know, which I think is a, an apt description for, for raising children anyway, <laughs> you know, and, and so, you know, I've, I've got, I've got, I've got the humor and the light from, from these, you know, these two little children. I have a strong relationship with my older son today that I can show up for and be sober. I can be of value to him. And there was a time when, when that wasn't possible. Mm. I have two stepkids in my life who love me. You know, I, I remember a time sitting on a friend's couch, bawling my eyes out because I was, I was 33 and my life was over and I would never I'm never going to, to have a family and I've lost my son and I'm never going to have any, you know, and, and, and I, I have these two stepkids now who love me. I have a grandson, my, my stepdaughter and her husband had a baby and I'm a grandma. Wow. I never thought any of that was going to be possible. And that's the stuff. That's the stuff that keeps me in recovery. The stuff that, that I used to dismiss as being frivolous. You know, well, everyone has, everyone has kids. Everyone has family. You know, that's not where the happiness comes from. I have to do these big, huge achievements in life. That's where the happiness comes from. And I've discovered the opposite. It, it, it's, the, it's the small, everyday, ordinary things that fill me with that feeling that, yeah. that no drug and no drink ever even came close to giving me. 
Absolutely. And being present in those relationships with the people that you care about and people who care about you. And, and to be of value to another human being. You know, I, yeah. I didn't understand about, about giving to others. It was all just simply about taking. What do I need in this relationship? It was all about me. And, and so to be able to, to step outside of that and, and see other, other people, you know, that, that lays the foundation. For, for a good relationship with other people when you, you know, when you're willing to see them as part of the relationship. Who yeah, <laughs> <No>, knew? <laughs> Kate, it's been a blast talking to you. I want to thank you so much for being here. And I want to also thank the listeners for listening in. And I want to, to encourage everybody to keep listening, subscribe, share, join Mixcloud, because we really are sharing a message across the world, including on sailboats now. Yes. The message, <laughs> the message of recovery and hope that you are bringing today is invaluable. Thank you very much, Kate. Thank you, Joe. It's been an absolute treat talking to you today. We've got your last song, Don't Forget, though, which is Days Like This by Van Morrison. Why did you choose this one? Well, I just love Van Morrison. And because this is what this is what recovery is for me it's 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 days like this when it's not always raining there'll be days like this when there's no one complaining there'll be days like this everything falls into place like the flick of a switch what my mama told me There'll be days like this When you don't need to worry There'll be days like this When no one's in a hurry There'll be days like this When you don't get betrayed By that old Judas kiss Oh, my mama told me There'll be days like this When you don't need an answer, there'll be days like this. When you don't need a chance, there'll be days like this. When all the parts of the puzzle start to look like they fit, then I must remember there'll be days like this.
never told me there'll be days like this. Oh, my mama told me there'll be days like this. Oh, my mama told me there'll be days like this. Oh, my mama told me there'll be days like this. 